Principal Matters Podcast, episode 201. Hi, friends. This is Will Parker, host of Principal Matters, the school leaders podcast. Each week, we bring you inspiring, innovative, and imaginative ideas for your own school leadership. This week, we're talking about rebooting for the summer with my guest and co-host, Jen Schwanke. Jen Schwanke is the principal of Indian Run Elementary and the author of two books, You're the Principal, Now What? And the newest book, Principal Reboot, Eight Ways to Revitalize Your School Leadership. Jen, it's great to see you again. I'm so excited to have this conversation because this spring, you launched your second book at the time that was probably the worst possible time in the history of the globe. Oh, which was it no March seventeenth, like it the was day <laughs> the day that the CDC announced that we are now in a global pandemic and we begin to shut schools and people are are just like reeling, trying to figure out what they're going to do. And they're, you know, if you're going online, it's because you're trying to figure out how am I going to connect with people I can't see now and how am I going to run my schools and I have to learn how to use Zoom. And I'm out there on Amazon is your book, just waiting for people oh, to grab. Yes. <laughs> and and a lots of them did try to grab it once they, the dust began to settle and then Amazon was behind on orders. And so you've just had this incredible journey with your newest book. So I'm telling that story for you. Sorry. But, <laughs> well, but, I'm glad you're laughing too, because there's two choices in a situation like this, cry or laugh. And I have chosen <laughs> to laugh. I can't pout about it because obviously there's a lot less or a lot more that could be worse about this. But my editor at ASCD and I were having a good chuckle the other day because we said, had we put 365 dates in a hat and pulled the worst one out, we would have picked March 17th of 2020. But you know that this is all um, what's meant to be. I, it I'm is okay meant to be. It. It is. It and, is. And, I, and the part that's most exciting for me and what we're going to talk about today is that, of course, hindsight's 2020, Jen, but who would have ever thought that your book would have been released at a time when principals need to rethink they need to be thinking about rebooting in a way that they've never thought about before, because this is not a normal summer. It's you know, not. It's right. not. And that's, that's why I'm so excited to talk to you again about the content of your book, because I know you've been, you've been thinking about how do I apply these same lessons into a context that none of us have really ever experienced before. So I'm just going to give you the mic. I just really want <laughs> you to speak directly to Principal Matters listeners about the thoughts that you've been having with your with your own content, but also just the, the ways that you've been thinking about how that content can help principals to reboot their summers. Well, thank you, Will, and and jump in anytime because I love sharing stories with you as we as we go through these thinking processes. The it was a little creepy though when when the book came out and the pandemic was happening and I looked at this book and I thought this could have been written about getting through a pandemic and of course it wasn't it was the you know little known fact you write books about two years before they're on the shelf so I hadn't even thought of what a global pandemic might look like when writing this but the book is is broken into a bunch of different ways a principal can reboot their career. And my thinking at the time was a lot of principals get tired and they get in ruts and their school calendar looks exactly the same year to year. And every morning is, good morning, how are you? Good, how are you? We just get in a rut. And so I wanted to help principals shake out of that. Well, the pandemic did it for us. 
It came to us. And so we are all having to be forced to reboot our thinking. And the chapters in the book are, you know, they cover rebranding your school, reconnecting with school and community, reinvesting in relationships. My favorite and I think most applicable chapter right now is revamping instructional leadership. Mm -hmm. We are not going to be instructional leaders like we were before. And we're not going to be able to evaluate teacher work like we did before. Another one uh, chapter here that could absolutely be applied to a pandemic lens would be re-envisioning teacher potential. The pandemic had me looking at some teachers in a whole new light. They just soared. They took this and they went with it. And I had other teachers really, really struggle. And those may have been teachers who are brilliant in face-to-face interactions, but had to really rethink their philosophy and their approach during the pandemic. Reframing data is another chapter in the book that this is being forced upon us, people. We are going to look at data differently, whether we like it or not. Revisiting operations. You know, operations is everything from how the school buses run to how where you store your Band-Aids in the clinic. So we're having to rethink all of those things. And then the final chapter in this book is relax, rediscover, and revive ourselves. Mm -hmm. And I have found that this pandemic has forced that in a way that I was unexpectedly welcomed to. I've I've gotten a new way to lead and I've, I've had to think differently about my day, my morning, my evening, how my work is laid out. So The Principal Reboot is a book that, again, not written for the pandemic, but certainly could apply to it. Wow. And as you think about all of those topics as principals go into their summers, Jen, I know that something else you've been thinking about a lot too is, you know, how do we take those lessons and connect them to the common experiences that other leaders are having too? Right. And I have been so gratified and I think validated in some extent because I've been saying for a long time, the principal job is not a lonely one. I heard that many times before I became a principal. It's a lonely job. It's lonely at the top. It's cold up there. But this has united us in, in ways we couldn't have expected. I could pick up the phone and talk to one of my principal friends in Seattle or Portland, Maine or St. Pete, Florida, or Austin, Texas, Tulsa, Oklahoma. Mm -hmm. And every principal would say, oh, how are you? We're in this together in ways we've Mm -hmm. never been in anything together before. And, you know, current events, you know, the racial unrest that we've had to to really open our minds and think about the pandemic, our communities, our students, we're in this together. And so I think that's a community that we never felt so confident about tapping into like we might now. You know, we're, we have to rely on each other now. We, we can't do this alone. Yeah, I agree. And it's interesting. I really like that reflection because, you know, all of us have always shared in common the constraints and the tensions of leadership. So we are, we really are not isolated in the work that we're doing unless we choose to be. But this pandemic placed us into a common experience that was like the same for everyone. And so in so many ways, I mean, there was just, not only do we share a lot of the same tensions in school leadership, but now we're sharing a lot of the same like obstacles, challenges, heartbreaks, community isolations, all those things. And at the same time, like we said in our last episode, also some of the privileges of closure, which meant more time at home, more time with our families, less conflicts, <laughs> you know, less angry outbursts, less disciplined incidents. And so, yeah, you're right. Those common experiences definitely were um, uniting us. As you think about principles that are stepping into their summers, Jen, and ways that they can be revisioning 
the way that they work with teachers or ways that they could be revamping their own instructional leadership. I don't know if you want to go here yet, but but I know that you've been also just thinking about the kinds of crisis that we've had to face in the past, because sometimes we forget this is not the first time as leaders that we've had to face really difficult situations that might help us gain some context for what might be next. I made a list. Regular Principal Matters podcast listeners will sense a theme here. Jen Schwanke makes, makes lists. And my <laughs> lists are to comfort me. My li- I make to-do lists too, but I made a list of things that principals have perhaps or certainly dealt with in the past decade. And I just want everyone to take a moment here and and just consider some of these. You might want to get out a pen and write down your own list and think think in terms of a decade, or maybe if it helps, think in terms of a month or a year. It doesn't matter. But we are now looking at a very real systemic change and crises in our racial inequalities in this country and in our schools. We are looking at COVID-19. We have faced enormous natural disasters, floods, hurricanes, fires, school shootings. Remember, it wasn't too long ago, all of us were waking up in a cold sweat, fearing a school shooting situation. Illnesses of staff, students, sometimes deaths with our school community, drug and alcohol abuse, you know, the the pain medicine, opioid addiction. I know Ohio has been hit so hard with that. Student anxiety. Never has anxiety in our students been such a mental health issue that we needed to address. Mm -hmm. Facility issues. We have principals whose buildings are literally crumbling. And we have inequities within our communities on how we fund schools. That's a crisis. That is a big problem. Teacher misconduct. We all know that, you know, that one teacher that ends up on the front page of the dispatch or the Times or whatever really reflects on all of us. And that is a full-fledged crisis to deal with. Changes in student discipline, sexual assault within our campuses and having to to really put processes and protocols to react and respond and support our most vulnerable, vulnerable students. Bullying. I mean, I'll just leave that one right there. Bullying is something that schools finally, blessedly had to take on, and we've made a lot of progress. Again, that was a full-fledged crisis and remains so. Budget cuts the issue of developing grit and perseverance in our students. You know, all of those are things that we have dealt with and they they don't have a start date like this pandemic felt like it did, you know, March 14th, 15th, 17th, whatever date it lies in your mind. They didn't necessarily have a start date, but they were enormous obstacles that principals took on. Mm -hmm. Those are great, Jen. And I would add to that because a lot of these um, encompass that. And that's just trauma-informed strategies for working with students too, because as we've identified the fact that this generation of students is, you know, ranks higher than any other generation before them on stress, anxiety, suicidal tendencies, all of the, the areas of crisis that they face, uh, you're so right. And so the question is, when you look at this list of crisis, you're not giving us this list because you want us to feel depressed. You're giving <laughs> us this list because there's a lesson here, yes. which is what is the cycle of learning that we've done in these past situations that can help us in this one or any other one that's coming forward? So talk to us a little bit about that. I've thought about a cycle that principals go through. This is certainly myself, but I've seen it in my colleagues and my friends and in speaking I've done around the country. And I've identified that principals tend to follow a cycle of react, recover, rebuild. And that this might be a cycle we follow when there's a fight on the playground. 
Or it might be a cycle we follow when there's an enormous flood and our school is shut down and we don't know what we're going to do next. Mm -hmm. And I'm thinking about it certainly in the context of the pandemic, but also all the other subtopics we've mentioned so far in this podcast today. And what I feel like my job is right now in the summer of 2020 is to kind of react. I'm going to react to what's going on. I'm going to do some planning. I'm going to do some thinking. I'm going to do some reflecting. And then I'm going to need to shift at some point into recovery mode. And recover does not mean go back to the way it was in fall of 2019. It's not what it means at all. It means recover our sense of who we are, what we're trying to do here, and make a plan going forward. Mm-hmm. And then rebuild. I love the word rebuild. It implies that we're going to take this foundation of who we are and what we believe, and we're going to look up to the apex of what we do and what we do well, and we're going to build up to that. And you and I have talked in previous episodes about how schools are going to need to adapt and evolve and be different things to different people. And to me, that's part of the rebuilding process. I so agree, Jen. And you know you know what your react, recover, rebuild reminds me of? It reminds me of great teaching and instruction. Right, right, it, it, exactly. Because every, everything is like the classroom. If you think about it, you know, in terms of, you know, what the simplest lesson that you're teaching students and then identifying, did it work? What worked? What didn't work? What can I tweak now and, and, and change to move forward so that the next time there's, there's stronger learning? And so that, that reflection process is so powerful because if we refuse to react, recover, rebuild, if we refuse to go through that reflection process, then we're really missing out on an opportunity for growth. Right. And, and think so about, mm-hmm. think about special education or gifted learning or any kind of intervention process, enrichment that we do. That's, that's exactly what it is. React, recover, rebuild. Absolutely. Mm-hmm. You know, Jim, when you say that, it just, it just makes me want to speak directly to Principal Matters listeners and encourage you to think about this summer. You need recovery time. There have been so many things that have happened that have been emotionally difficult. And some of us have been recovering because of just how we've had to slow down. But that doesn't mean we've necessarily recovered from what we've just gone through. I, I can I can speak just personally. When I still go out in public or and I put on a mask or I'm going out, you know, as our state begins to open up again, I still, there's a sense of anxiety that I didn't have before. There's a new sense of anxiety that I have in situations before that I didn't have before. And I've been in some pretty uncomfortable situations, Jen Schwake, <laughs> yes. so have you, you know, as principals. But to think that suddenly there's, a virus that's still out there and that we don't know exactly what will happen next presents me with a level of anxiety that makes me uncomfortable. And I know some people might just choose to ignore that. Just, I'm just not going to think about that. I don't like that anxiety, but you, you can't ignore that as a school leader because you're thinking about that for yourself and your entire school community. But my encouragement would be to recognize that it's okay to have those feelings. It's also okay to recognize that so will your students and your teachers and your parents have those feelings multiply that exponentially. So they're also feeling all of these different competing emotions as they're going into their summers. It is so important that we take time to recover because, you know, when school starts again, you're right back into the middle of it. And so as you have a little gap here going into the summer, because I know most principals never stop working, uh, but it's just different work in the summer. But it does, I think summer does give you a chance to do some recovery and some reflection in ways that other times don't. 
Right. And I think, I, I don't know if I'll be able to find the words to say this eloquently, but I, I caution principals, myself included, to not feel that recovery means taking some sort of a stand or some sort of a location on the spectrum of COVID-19. You know, this is what I believe. This is what I have read. I've said from the beginning, I can find an article or I can find data to back up what I want to believe. So we don't need to decide what we think about this. What we need to do is, is... accept all perspectives and do the best that we can. The soothing part for me is this has never been done before, so there's no way to mess it up. Mm-hmm. If we if we stay to our core, core beliefs, and I know your listeners are going to kind of say, yeah, 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 but what's best for kids? And mm-hmm. that might be what's best for their parents or what's best for the entire country or, or, you know, it could be any number of things. But if we just stick to that, then we don't have to feel like we need to take a stand. I find a lot of teachers are looking at principals who are looking at superintendents who are looking at governors for the answer the stand. This is going to be our message. This is our talking point. But I don't think it's going to be that simple going forward. That's great feedback, Jen. I want to switch in in our conversation right now because I think that so much of what we've talked about in terms of recovering has been within the context of the pandemic and school closures. But I also, it's the reality that right now a lot of school leaders are still reacting or trying to decide how to react with what's been going on with racial inequalities, Mm -hmm. social injustice, with how to support the most hurting and vulnerable uh, marginalized populations in our school communities. And so I know that in some ways I feel like it's almost inappropriate for two non-minority leaders to try to speak, you know, words of wisdom to other leaders about this issue. And that's why I've uh, made it a huge goal on on my podcast to invite guests like William Stubbs and Marlena Gross-Taylor and Don Parker and and soon Anthony Muhammad will be joining me for an episode too. And so, because I want to make sure that I'm learning and listening to my fellow leaders who um, lead diverse communities and Black leaders who know what it's like to have had a lifetime of uh, experiencing racial inequality and then trying to lead schools through those conversations too. So for Principal Matters listeners, I just wanted to take a couple of minutes with you, Jen, and just reflect on those same ideas of, you know, recovering, reflecting as you have in your school community have been walking through these conversations too, because I know just from the fact that I follow in, on social media and we stay in contact that your teachers have, have already been rallying together to figure out ways that they can show support for your community. So I just wanted to take a couple of minutes and reflect together on that. You know, I've, you've mentioned this several times. The listening is the part where us, you know, white leaders have to stop and listen. There's a lot being said to us right now and we can choose to hear it or not. And that doesn't imply that you're in some way a racist if you're really listening hard right now. It doesn't imply anything other than you're listening hard right now. Mm -hmm. And that's what I'm trying to do. You know, I, I, have for a very long time been crippled by my fear of saying something wrong. I know my own beliefs and I believe deeply that I don't have racial leanings, but what do I know? I have to listen and I have to hear and I have to learn from the people who are trying to to speak to me and to my the other white folks right now. We have to hear. Mm-hmm. And before we act or before we react or before we help rebuild, we have to 
listen. And listening with open ears will lead to learning. And if we learn, then we can recover and rebuild, like we've, we've talked before. I, I have been so scared. I'll say something out of ignorance that will be you know, misunderstood, and then I'll be labeled in a certain way. So I've been quiet. And I feel that I live my life in a way that speaks pretty loudly about my beliefs, but I don't think living my life is enough anymore. I have to to share what I think and what I believe. The teachers in my community organized an incredible rally not too long ago. You know, thousands of people showed up and we had a moment of silence honoring George, George Floyd's life. And when an entire, you know, I don't know what it was, two square miles is silent, it will shake you to your bones. Mm-hmm. It was a moment I'll never forget. And I hope teachers and community members across this country are taking some time together to promise to listen. Mm. Well, Jen, uh, and I thank you for saying that. And so many of, of your thoughts are ones that I've shared in common. You know, Tulsa, Oklahoma was the location of one of the world's worst race massacres in 1919, so known as the Black Wall Street, which was a prosperous um, section of the downtown community in Tulsa uh, was attacked by white mobs, um, burned to the ground. Hundreds of people died in that part of our city. And for decades and decades, it was not included in history books. It was pushed away from um, from public record. And so uh, in the times that I've lived here, because I've lived in this area now for 30 years or more, it's been uh, encouraging to see people bringing those facts forward and creating awareness and and including that in the history for our students in the state to recognize the history of racism that's happened in our own community. And a couple of weeks ago when when Tulsa organized its own march, I had the privilege to attend uh, with my own children. And one of my daughter's friends, who's Black, was standing right beside me um, with a sign that said Black Lives Matter. And the march itself went right down the street of that part of the community that a hundred years ago had been burned, but there were still some buildings, original buildings there that had not. One of them was the AME Church that still worships today, a black congregation that's still active there in Tulsa, Oklahoma. And as I was walking that road, thinking you know, that 100 years ago, this was a place where racism was murdering community members here. And to be able to stand by my daughter's friend and see the look on her face of of both determination, but also like encouragement that these people around me, my friends are supporting me having a voice and being able to recognize that our lives matter, not just a hundred years ago, but they matter today. It was encouraging to me, Jim, because I feel like I feel like I'm becoming a better student of what's going on. Something that Marlena Gross Taylor said in our recent episode was that this is a conversation, Will, that's been going on for 400 years. So for some people, welcome to the conversation, you know? So, exactly. um, and, and, and she didn't say that in any way that was, um, was critical. It's just that I think that leaders need to be aware that they have students and community members in their schools right now who are hurting or who feel vulnerable, who want to know that they will be protected. And it's always our job as school leaders to protect the vulnerable, to provide a safe place for all students to learn. And so there is no conflict of interest for a leader who takes a stand to say that I support Black lives in my school or that I support ending racism. There should be no conflicts of interest. And I don't know, preaching to the choir, but I just felt I wanted the opportunity to say that, Jen, because I know you've had those experiences within your own community and I've had those experiences in mine too. 
Well, any other thoughts on that before we wrap up this episode? I love that she said this conversation has been going on 400 years. Welcome. Because (laughs) that is a really powerful way to say welcome. You know, kind of like, you know, you're late. Catch up. (laughs) Catch up. There is a lot to be learned and we have got to move on. During the protest we had, I looked at my children and I thought, I hope they don't have to have a protest like this in 20, 25 years. I hope, I mean, this is our chance to move on. We should not have to insist that Black Lives Matter anymore. They need to matter and we need to to move on and embrace equality the way we know that it needs to be done. Well, and Principal Matters listeners, if you're looking for a good resource on people that you could bring into your buildings to talk about race or books that you could be reading throughout the summer too, I'm just going to refer you back to Principal Matters episode 198 and 199 because those are two-part conversations with three education leaders, three black leaders, William Stubbs, Don Parker, and Marlena Gross-Taylor, who share lots and lots of different books and resources. There's links in those shows to documents that you can look at to just make sure that we're educating ourselves and that we have a strong understanding so that we can make sure that we're standing up for the for every person within our own communities and even recognizing the areas in our own lives where we still need to grow. Well, Jen, it is so, it's always such a privilege to talk to you. I'm so grateful that you take the time to step into the Principal Matters world and to help co-host this show. Any other thoughts as we're wrapping up this conversation on reacting, recovering, rebuilding, and rebooting for the summer? (laughs) No, no new thoughts, but let's just take another laugh about the release date of the Principal Reboot. If anybody wants to (laughs) get this book and read it through the lens of the pandemic or even our racial challenges in our country right now, um, have at it because there might be a lot in there that a principal could enjoy and respond to. Mm. Well, Principal Matters listeners, thank you so much for doing what matters. We will talk to you again soon. Thanks, everyone. Talk soon. If you'd like other free resources like this one, you can check out all my posts at williamdparker.com.